Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hell no. We're in the freaking bank. Now, back to Willard and Dibbs on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, what's Hunter Pence eating for this game? Where's he going to be? Did we find his way to the game? Next to Bobby Weir? Maybe he's going to be on Bobby Weir's bus. Maybe. That'd be fun. Hunter's got to be going to the game, right? sort of sounded like he wasn't. It was almost like, yeah, I thought about it, but just didn't really figure it out. I mean, what's he doing then? Is he going to be like like you, locked in at home? Lock it in. Or is it going to be like a Hunter par- Pence uh, watch party? What do you do? Put in the freaking bay. Yeah, he'll be in the freaking bay. Totally. Uh, do you want to win a trip to freaking Vegas uh, to see Billy Joel and Sting later this year? We're giving you your chance to win a trip or two coming up later uh, in uh, the show. Stay locked in. And keep listening because we are going to give you multiple chances to qualify today, okay? First chance later this hour, and then we'll give you another chance to qualify later in the show. Stay tuned for details on that. It's going to be very easy qualification sensation mm. process, okay? Right, Mitchell Schwartz going to join us here in about 10 minutes, former offensive lineman for the Chiefs and recent offensive lineman for the Chiefs, playing for Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, his quarterback, Super Bowl champion four years ago at the expense of the Niners. So we'll uh, we'll get him in here. Let's play a little further with my, my statement from an hour ago because I saw some people sort of agree and, 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 and some didn't. Um, the idea that it feels like this whole week has been about the Niners I don't say that because I'm looking for that content or we're creating that content. I just mean everything I've heard about this game, from this game, from Vegas, the personalities of the 49ers are being highlighted. Uh, The Brock Purdy story for sure. George Kittle. um, Nick Bosa. You're getting trash talk from Diamador Lenore. Uh, Debo Samuel, you're getting all this stuff out there, and you you do hear a lot of people say that the, the, the 49ers have the absolute most stacked roster, and there is just this sort of can they do it question that I think owns the week. Now, some people responded and said, no, this week's been all about the Chiefs, and I'd argue the only way you, you could possibly mean that is that most of the public seems to think that the Chiefs are going to win. Again, all of the six-figure bets have been on the 49ers. Do with that what you will. But 
I understand a lot of people think the Chiefs are going to win, but I'm telling you, man. I mean, even who's been the biggest media personality in the NFL this year? It's an easy answer. The biggest media personality? That's a player. Uh, a big, probably Travis Kelsey. Thank you. Who's the second biggest media personality? Taylor Swift. No. Who's a player? A player. The second biggest yeah. in the league? I mean, she's no one on the Niners. I, I'll argue that his last name rhymes with the first, the last name of the first answer you gave me. Uh, Travis? Travis Kelsey. Mavis? No, Kelsey. This guy's last name rhymes with Kelsey. Oh, uh, it would be uh, Peter Pelsey. No, Jason Kelsey. Oh, These yeah. These two guys. Well, just later in the year no, when he took his the, shirt off. their podcast has gone sure. absolutely bananas this year. It has. They are the two biggest personalities. They have had the biggest upward bullet in terms of their platform, in terms of their attention, all of this. Then we get to Super Bowl. Gone. Yeah, what's to say? Gone. Travis Kelsey did say today that uh, their practice yesterday got a little chippy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting a little bit anxious to get out there and play. And I think all the stuff around Kansas City is more ethereal in terms of what this would mean for the legacy, Patrick's legacy, and is this team then a dynasty? And where do they rank among all-time great teams if they are a dynasty? How many teams have won three in five? And you start to put them into that category, whereas the Niners are complaining about the field and they are... You know, complaining about Brock Purdy not being MVP and he's disrespected and all the other stuff that's come out. It hasn't really been complaining or whining as far as I can tell. I agree. But the storylines yeah. have been more, I think, centered around the Niners this week and what's going on this week. And the Chiefs stuff has been more about, you know, the Pantheon and like these great grand ideas. Well, I think that I, I agree with you. And I think part of it is also this, like people are bored with the Chiefs. The Niners are the new this year's like, oh, look, the Niners are here. Right. Last year. ooh, look, the Eagles are here. Let's talk about the Eagles. You know, uh, before that, hey, Tom Brady in his own stadium. That's kind of cool. Um I get it. The Chiefs are there almost every year. So it feels tired and it feels played out. So that's definitely one of the reasons why. Um, but I also just think that it, it comes down to questions in people's minds. Nobody's got any questions about the Chiefs. No one has any questions. We know who they are. Other than who are they? No, they're champs. Right. They're champs. They're Patrick Mahomes. They're Andy Reid. They're Travis Kelsey. And the very famous singer we'll be watching. Right. We don't have any questions. We expect them to show up. They always do. They're good. They win most of the time, not all the time. The Niners are this wild card. And they walk in swashbuckling, quite frankly. Big personalities. Big names. Big money. Big history, big fan base, big, 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 big talk. Brock Purdy, number one most discussed player in the NFL this year. So everything feels big, and it just, to me, my perception is they walked into Vegas, and they were 18 of the top 20 stories that everybody wanted to talk right. about. Right, right. Well, the biggest stories are, you know, Kelsey and his girlfriend, Mahomes as one of the greatest to ever do it, and Purdy, and McCaffrey, and Kittle, 
and all the rest of it in Bosa. And, you know, you go all the way down the list, and you're right, uh, of the top 20, most of them are Niner-based. And part of it, too, is because the Niners like to talk. And George Kittle is out there, yep. and he's, you know, great soundbite. And Nick Bosa's got that demeanor. And, you know, Mahomes did his thing in the press conference. But other than that, he's been mostly silent. And even the, the Niners' fullback, it's about his wife and her snappy garments. Totally. I mean, that's a story, too. Absolutely. So all the way across the board, yeah, Kelsey's good, and he's got a famous girlfriend, and Mahomes might be the greatest ever, and Andy Reid still has that mustache. Okay. Yeah. What else? By the way, I don't think a damn thing changes about Mahomes' legacy if he wins this game. I know people are like, well, it's another opportunity to inch closer to Tom Brady's record. Okay, fine. Whatever. Like, nobody, if he loses this game, is going to be like, well, now Patrick's not the best QB in the NFL anymore. Yeah, he is. No. No, but if he he wins this, he becomes one of only five to have three or more. Yeah, but how many have two? Uh, I think about 12. Okay, that's what I mean. No, but you take a He's, big step up that rung. Every like time when Steph won the MVP sure, in the finals, sure. he joined a group of people who had regular season MVP, finals MVP, and four titles. No that's doubt. a small list. I, absolutely. What I'm getting at, though, is I don't need him to win this game for me to feel like he's one of the best of all time. I already do. Right, and he's the best in football right now. Yeah. But if he wins this one, then you look at the pantheon of people who have three or more, and it's Aikman, it's Bradshaw, it's Brady, and it's uh, you know a Montana. You know, you uh, <laughs> I can't believe I left him for last. I think it's those four. <laughs> yeah, look, there's no. Elway's got two. He takes another step up the ladder, but at age 28, excuse me while I yawn. Like he's going to win more. He's going to win more. You never know. Nothing's promised in this league. No, that's true. But I I bet on it. I bet he's not done. I bet that this is If I set the over-under for Super Bowls for Mahomes the rest of his career at a half, you'd probably take the over? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Including this weekend? Of course. Yes. How about at one and a half? You think he gets at least two more? I'd probably bet yes. You still would bet the over, yeah. Based on what we've seen. Yeah, based on the fact that he's got a chance on Sunday. Almost every year that he's played. And he has gone to the AFC title game every year that he's played. It's crazy. Ask me if Brock Purdy over under a half. Well, you'd bet over. Uh How about one and a half? Over. How about two and a half? Now we're getting a little dicey. Okay. All right. Uh, you like Brock. San Francisco Sheriff's Office countdown to kickoff clock says that we are two days, 17 minutes, and 51, 50, 49, 48, 47 seconds away from the big game. And we're also sponsored by Flag and Anthem, and we're joined by Mitchell Schwartz. Nice job. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, with the Chiefs four years ago, offensive lineman knows Reed and Mahomes as well as anybody, and he joins us next on Willard and Dibs. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Well, of course, he must have ties. His brother is a huge Bay Area sports fan. And Mitchell Schwartz went to Cal. Uh, even though from Southern California, I think, originally, Willard and Dibs. But he, uh, he joins us right now here on the Boxer and Gerson guest line. He was with the Chiefs four years ago. Did I get that about right, Mitchell? Did, did you grow up a Bay Area sports fan? Yeah, we did. So my dad is from Santa Rosa, and so he got us on 49ers and the San Francisco Giants. And so you're still a huge Niner fan? <laughs> um, you know, I kind of lost all allegiance a while ago. Um, you know, these days i got to stick with my Chiefs, but the Niners <laughs> probably would be second if I had to. How, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but your phone cut out right there. Mark said something about you still being a Niner fan, and I heard you say, yeah. Is that right, Mitchell? I mean, they're up there. They're below uh, you know, a couple of team allegiances that I've played for. But, I mean, my dad's still a 49ers fan, my uncle, and no other 49ers fan. So, um, you know, still loyal to the Chiefs, but I have enough 49ers fans in my life. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mitchell Schwartz joining us here on Willard and Dibs. Uh, Mitchell, how would you compare the 49er team you beat four years ago and this one? I'd say this one, the offense is more explosive, and I think they can do a little bit more. Um, running game, versatility, explosive plays, you know, five playmakers at all times, the quarterback that can get it to him, you know, when he needs to, and also break the pocket and scramble a little bit and pick up yards there. You know, especially the past couple of weeks, I'd say the defense, I mean, that 2019 team, it was like a historic defense. They were so good, uh, especially up front. You know, we had to prepare against them for two weeks, and it was not fun having to watch two weeks worth of, you know, 49ers film from the whole year. Um, and I think this year, the defense not really playing uh, quite as good as that one, and you know, I think that to me is going to be the the key matchup. Whether the Chiefs O line can keep doing what they're doing, or whether the 49ers D line kind of steps up and um, kind of takes away everything that Kansas City wants to do. Let's talk about that Chiefs O line and the Chiefs offense in general, because from an amateur eye, my eye, it doesn't seem like the Chiefs offense is nearly as explosive. Yet here they are in the Super Bowl. How is Andy doing it without the same normal cadre of offensive weaponry? Yeah, they're not as explosive at all. I think, you, you know, you look at the data, I think Pat is averaging the lowest, uh, you know, air yards per attempt. He kind of looks like some of these uh, other guys that, that throw a lot of short passes because the team just doesn't have the vertical threats, and when they do get open, they don't always capitalize on it. So the offense has had to change into, you know, a little bit more of kind of a horizontal offense, being able to utilize, 
the space created, especially in the run game. Um, some, you know, well-timed screens and being able to pick up on some defensive tendencies. And then I think the biggest difference we've seen over the past month is that when the, the deep shots are there, the Chiefs are finally capitalizing on them. You know, receiver drops, balls that are in a spot where receivers aren't, those things aren't happening anymore. So, um, yeah, it's a different offense that San Francisco is going to have to face this time. But to your point, Coach Reed, he's adaptable. He figures out, you know, what works for his guys. And the reason it's working, honestly, is the defense. It's, it's because the defense is so good that they're able to win games for the team and the offense is able to do their part. That's so interesting because, you know, you hear the average Joe talk about this games and it, it's just Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. I, I, I can't bet against Mahomes. Uh, but you're saying that this group is, is more driven by, by its defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the entirety of the season and the defense played better than the offense. You look at this playoff run, you could probably argue the defense played better as well, especially when you kind of look at the entirety of who you're playing, you know, the Kansas City offense, it's a super cold game against Miami. It's minus five real temp, wind chill of minus 30. And they're going against the Miami defense that is playing guys they signed that week at defensive end. You know, it was a decimated defense. And so the offense does look good, but maybe adjusted against the talent level of the defense they're playing, not quite as good. You know, similarly, Buffalo, I felt like was very injured by the time that game rolled around and didn't have their top-tier personnel and what they wanted to be defensively. And you look at the Baltimore game, and it was really two-and-a-half great drives. I mean, they had two touchdown drives to start the game, and the entire second half, you know, nothing really happened. A lot of punts and uh, a lot of frustrating football. So, yeah, the, the offense is doing its part. You know, they're scoring, especially early, to kind of allow the defense to be more aggressive and to, um, you know, go for fumbles and interceptions and, and do everything that Spags wants to do blitz-wise. Um, but it's not necessarily a team that is reliant on the offense to win games the way it used to be. When you look at this offense, particularly the offensive line, going up against the Niner defense that was great early and the last couple of weeks has been maybe a little bit suspect, where do you see the big edge up front when you've got Bosa and Young and you've got Hargrave and Armstead and the front four and two great linebackers? From an offensive lineman standpoint, where do you see vulnerability in this Niner defense up front? Well, it's a good question. I think especially over this last month, as you kind of alluded to, I think, you know, Bosa has been playing exceptional football, and I feel like every team offensively goes into a game and says, we have to know where that guy is every snap, and we have to game plan around him. And so he might not be able to get the productivity that he was able to three years ago when, you know, the defense line was a little bit more stacked and game plans weren't maybe specifically designed around picking him out and trying to uh, neuter what he's able to do. And so... You look at the other guys, and I think they're the ones that have to step up, you know, especially against the Chiefs interior, which is one of the best ones in football, if not the best. Obviously taking a step back with, uh, you know, Tooney not being able to play, and we'll see if he does. But, you know, defensive line-wise, that interior, if you're able to get a little bit of push on Pat, if you're able to move him off the spot in the pocket, uh, I think that's what you want to attack. And then, you know, you want to combine that with whatever, you know, both uh, and Young are doing on the outside on these edge rushers. You know, if, if you're giving those guys freelance and you say, you know, Bosa, you're a great player, just rush however you want to, you know, he's reactionary. He's going to go inside of tackles over set. And Jawan Taylor, the right tackle for Kansas City, likes to take deep sets. So if Bosa is trying to take advantage of that, he's going inside and there's no one left to contain if Pat breaks the pocket, you know, that's not playing good football. They have to be on the same page. So 
I think, you know, interior-wise, I would imagine the Chiefs are going to try to be physical, um, you know, make it a tough game for those guys and try to, you know, push the pocket uh, in the pass and then also try to get that vertical dent uh, in the run game. And I think that's where you can really make some hay. Mitchell Schwartz is joining us. He was with the Chiefs uh, the last time these two teams uh, played together in the Super Bowl four years ago. Longtime offensive lineman for the uh, the Chiefs and Browns in the NFL joining us here on Willard and Dibs. Mitchell, what's your take on all the discussion around Chase Young at times? Not great effort. Has all the talent in the world. Um, but uh, but it's been a little bit of a topsy turvy ride since they acquired him from uh, from Washington. What kind of player do you think he is? Well, I think all the ability is there. I think that's why he got drafted as high as he did. He's had some success, and you know, knee injuries especially tend to slow guys down realistically for probably two years. Uh, you know, it's not just the year you come back that you start to flourish, and there's always kind of that little bit of doubt in your mind, and, and it's just a little different until you get that full season under your belt, you know, coming off the ACL. So I think all the abilities there, and if you were to look at really any player, you could probably find a couple plays that stand out in terms of effort on the backside of plays, whether that's an offensive tackle on the backside of, you know, a jet sweep the other way or a power play the other way, whether that's, you know, again, a defensive end on a uh, counter, you know, reverse that goes the other way. So it just gets heightened because it's this time of year because there's only, you know, not two teams left that are able to kind of cherry pick some plays. You know, I feel like San Francisco's defensive line is so deep that you can tell those guys, hey, go all out every single play. If you get tired, we'll sub you out and you can get a rest and we'll get you back in when you're ready to go. And I think that's maybe where the disappointing part is where, you know, you want those guys flying around at all times because, you know, on that specific touchdown that we're talking about against Detroit, that could have been the tackle that prevented that. And maybe the game doesn't get you know quite so crazy in the first half and maybe you know, things don't start to spiral from there. So you, you want your guys to be given maximum effort. And at this point, it's the Super Bowl. There's only one game left. And so I'd, I'd imagine that, you know, he's going to be given his all, especially on, you know, maybe the backside of some plays where most guys are able to shut it down a little bit and, and conserve some energy for a third down rushes. Yeah, no sense in shutting it down now when you got six months off, either in a win or a loss, in terms of the next uh, real football to play. What was it like four years ago in the huddle with Pat Mahomes down 10? Did his demeanor change at all? Did your confidence as a team wane when you guys ultimately came back to beat the Niners? No, there's no kind of lack of confidence, no kind of wishing things would happen and hoping they would happen. I think there was a you know, supreme belief that we have the ability to do it. We just had to actually execute and do it. Um, and again, that, the onus is on us up front as offensive linemen. I mean, we felt like if we we're able to kind of do our part up front as good as that secondary was, it's really hard to cover for three or four seconds in the NFL, especially against uh, the receiver and tight end room that we had at the time. So we felt like, you know, we need to do our part up front, give Pat time, give the guys time down the field to get that little extra bit of separation to allow him to, to get that window. And, you know, obviously the, the wasp, play, wasp play has a little bit different uh, connotation in San Francisco land than it does in Kansas City. But the key part of that is Pat asking, do we have time to run wasp? That means, you know, are the guys going to hold up long enough for me to be able to throw this thing because it's a long route? And so that was, you know, kind of the, the thing that we had to do up front. And I feel like we did a good enough job and then allowed the skill guys to really shine and to uh, make some plays. So, Definitely no, you know, kind of confidence loss, just a, a belief in each other, a belief in ourselves. There isn't uh, really any change in demeanor, and I think maybe that's what separates him from some other guys. It's just always a, a pure belief in your ability to 
not only do it, but to actually accomplish the task. Mitchell, Kyle Shanahan loves to defer, always. Uh, you win the toss, you defer. He wants the ball in the second half. Does Andy Reid have a, a specific philosophy on that? Same thing. He's a defer guy. You know, I think there was, at some point, a little bit of data showing that you can get that edge when you're able to, you know, score and have the ball at the end of the first half and then get the ball in the second half and you can put up a, you know, say a 10-point swing in, in those last two minutes and the first five minutes of the second half. Um, I don't know that it's, you know, quite enough data to, you know, really say one way or another. I know Green Bay kind of went into the playoffs and, and was enjoying taking the ball first and they were having success on the first drive. Um, but I always <laughs> was a nervous and anxious guy, so I loved deferring because I wanted to just kind of sit on the bench, let the defense do their thing, let the nerves settle down. Um, I always got really anxious so we, if we had the ball first. It's like the, the nerves would be at their highest point. If I was able to sit on the bench a little, uh, I could kind of let them calm down a bit. One thing that we've seen from this week in the lead-up is Nick Bosa talking about four years ago and the fact that Kansas City tends to hold a lot, Mitchell. What did you think of those comments? And uh, do you guys hold more than most teams, Mitchell? You can be honest now. <laughs> um, so the funny thing is I actually, and I tweeted this, he's actually right. I mean, the guys do hold. Jawan is the most penalized guy in the NFL this year, and I believe he leads the NFL in holding. Uh, Donovan, I think, has led the NFL in holding since he started playing in, I think, 2015 it was. Um, you know, last week, Trey Smith had two straight holding calls. I disagreed with one of them pretty strongly, but, you know, Trey had a couple holding calls. And there are, especially from, from Bosa's perspective, when you're watching the tackles, there are plays where, um, you know, it looks like the tackles are holding and it doesn't get called. Now, you could probably say that about most guys. Um, I don't know that that's really atypical, but... I do think he has a point, and I, I don't necessarily think that you need to say that. I don't know if it's politicking to kind of alert national media or whatever. You know, we kind of saw that from the Kansas City perspective on the reverse side after the first game of the year where Chris Collinsworth is highlighting Juwan Taylor, talking about how early he gets off the ball, how deep he is in his uh, stance, and then that kind of becomes a national narrative, and he got maybe over-penalized slightly because of that coming out of it. Um, but no, I... I can guarantee you that, you know, holding is not being coached. Um, you know, if you kind of go back to Green Bay in the mid-2000s and, and 2010s, there was a little bit of a schematic emphasis on an ability to kind of grasp the outside of the shoulder pads and then kind of lock guys down and, and dance with them. And obviously you guys have had your, your tussles with Green Bay, and that felt like an operation that, you know, it was almost a, a technique that was taught or it was a, a way of doing it. Um, with Kansas City, I think it's just a couple guys who happen to be uh, a little more prone to it than normal, maybe a little, you know, not quite as good at the lateral agility to um, not let the guy disengage off his body while he's still got a grasp of, of the jersey. All right, so while you're getting all honest with us. That was a great answer. It was a great answer. Uh, four years ago, third and 15, Nick Bosa was held, right? <laughs> so I also explained this, too. Um, based on the offensive line view of holding, he was not held. So our understanding of holding is your hands are part of the holding, but it, the major impact of holding is what your feet are doing. So if your feet are stopped and the guy gets you know, off of your body and your arm or your grasp of the jersey is what's stopping him from getting where he needs to go, then that's a holding call. If you look at the play, it's Eric Fisher, our left tackle, who was blocking him. His right arm is kind of across both his body because that's the natural position to kind of catch an inside move when a defensive end does that. But Fish runs his feet and accelerates. And if you watch Bosa, he never really 
his progress has never stopped. He gets pushed inside further than he wants to go, but there's never like a tug on the jersey. There's never uh, a change of momentum or a change in direction because of that specific holding. And so from our offensive line perspective, I know everyone's going to say I'm biased because I was on the team and, and I think the play is valid, but uh, Fish did a really exceptional job running his feet. You know, he's more athletic than I was. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I probably would have got a holding against Bosa. Um, but from, you know, the offensive line perspective, we don't see that as a holding. And obviously the officials didn't see it either. Isn't it true, Mitchell, that Fisher held him so long he was forced to buy him dinner after the game? <laughs> um, you know, that's a... Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Um, I might but, have just know, made it up. We've got an enemy territory now, so that's the new one. No, you're home. You're a Santa Rosa guy. The 707. Your family. Your family. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was the offensive line perspective. What's the defensive line perspective, Mitchell? I mean, the defensive line perspective, they're going to say, you know, his arm was across my chest and he didn't let me go where I wanted to go. Right, right, right. And I would say you got to do something about that. You know, the guy's running his feet. This is not what a holding call is in the NFL. If that was the case, there would be a holding call on most plays. You know, again, does the defensive lineman get kind of outside the cylinder of the offensive line's hips and feet, and then does his movement get restricted because there's an arm that's grasped onto something or that's impeding his progress? And I'd say, no, that's not the case. So, yeah, it, it sucks, and I understand you know, <laughs> some visuals, and especially some screenshots, a lot of which were sent my way back then, and, and more recently when I talked about it, um, but I, that's just not really what holding is in the NFL, and um, you know, it's unfortunate that it went against them, but I'm lucky that it did not go against us. Yes, and Mitchell Schwartz, who was with the Chiefs four years ago with us here on, uh, on, on Willard and Dibs. Hey, what do we not know about being a teammate with Mahomes? Well, I think the thing that we're maybe seeing now is just how competitive he is. You know, I think that there's a, maybe a misconception of what competitive nature looks like. And we think of guys like Jordan and, and kind of meaner guys who are unpleasant to be around all the time and who are not so nice teammates to try to get the best, best out of everybody. Um, and I think Pat has the same competitive drive, the same fire, the same want to in terms of showing people that they're wrong and proving how good he is. But he's such a good-natured guy. He's such a great teammate. Um, but that's the thing that maybe gets lost in the picture of who he is as a player. So I think it's great that we're getting to see that. Um, I mean, he's an awesome man. He, he treats everyone in the locker room great. Um, you know, whether you're a guy just signed a few days ago, whether you're a guy that's, that's been there the whole time with him. Um, he likes to chat sports with everybody. You know, he seems to know everything that's going on in the sporting world, all sports. So he's a really fun guy to be around and, you know, likes to uh, keep it loose and keep it easy and, you know, just a, a great dude. Uh, we all like uh, tight ends who, who catch passes, but but you like tight ends who also block, right? I do. I mean, uh, I know where you're going with this. But, uh, <laughs> you no, what do you guys Cal educated. You, you can't speak yeah, one by No, him. what do you think? How do you compare Kittle and Kelsey? I would compare them in the manner that for what football has been over the last decade and when Travis has been as dominant as he has, the passing game has been, I would say, more important than the run game. And we're seeing that trend. Um, we're seeing that with the 49ers wanting to go up in the draft and get a guy who can kind of change what they're doing offensively in the pass game, finding a guy in Purdy who can unlock more than Jimmy was able to in the pass game. With how important the pass game is, 
I would prioritize a tight end that can thrive in that. And I think Travis has shown that he's the best pass-catching tight end of all time. He is obviously not the blocker Kittle is, especially with kind of the, the pure physicality and the relentlessness that, that Kittle likes to block with. But he does his part in the run game. It might not look as tenacious. It might not look as pretty at times, but he is a capable blocker. He is asked to do a lot of similar things to what Kittle is and maybe doesn't do it at, again, quite the same level or quite the same ferocity. But it gets back to, is it more important to be really good at two things which don't have equal weight or is it more important to be the best who has ever done it at the more valuable thing and not quite as good less valuable thing and you know i think that's maybe the better way to frame the conversation uh mitchell who do you think's winning the game you know i uh you guys obviously aren't going to believe it but i tend to be a little pessimistic about kansas city um i don't know why i've just kind of always been that way i thought it was going to be a huge challenge to be Baltimore, and I was kind of proved wrong there. Um, the way it's looked the past month, I, I've got to go Kansas City. I just think San Francisco's defense isn't playing quite as well. The defensive line's not playing quite as well. The tackling hasn't been there uh, up to San Francisco standards. And you look at the Chiefs offense, and the offensive line's been playing great. Guys are doing their part on the back end at the receiver room. They're holding on to the ball. They're making guys miss in the, the short game, the screen game. And so I think that advantage is in uh, Kansas City's favor, along with, you know, it's been talked about all week, San Francisco's got a little bit more of a static defense, and so they're either going to have to do stuff that they're not as used to doing to try to mix it up and, quote-unquote, confuse Pat and confuse the offense, or they're just going to be a little bit more static, and I can guarantee you with two weeks to prepare, you're not going to want to be that against Coach Reed. So they're going to have to maybe do some different things that they don't do quite as much and in different spots than they're used to, and then the other side of the ball, I think that's just going to be a heavyweight battle. I mean, good on good, physical on physical. Uh, it's going to be a really fun matchup. And so I just think that's going to be a bit of a wash in terms of both sides making plays and, and doing their parts. I just feel like the Kansas City offense as of right now has the advantage over the San Francisco defense. And, you know, that's what I think that's it. Okay. Those are fair answers, man. Thank you. are a good sport. Thanks yeah, well for, reason too. Thanks, thanks for hopping on. Well, I knew I had to be, so uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, <laughs> measured, educated, yep. solid. Mitchell uh, Schwartz. Yeah, it was really good, except for his definition of holding. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, he's an offensive lineman. Yeah. I don't think he's seen holding yet in his life. Well, and he did explain <laughs> it from an offensive lineman standpoint about yes. hips and foot movement and Eric Fisher and this and that. And he is right, though, about the stats from this year's team. They do hold a lot. So you might actually see a flag this year. In the big game. That'd be fun. For offensive holding. I like first and 20 for Patrick Mahomes. Totally, that yeah. sounds great. Uh, 888-957-9570. How you feeling, Niner fans? We are getting close. We are inside of two days. Uh, based on when kickoff will be inside of two days uh, to uh, to the start of this one. So uh, let's do it. Let's take your calls on this one. How you feeling? We're presented by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises, plus your first opportunity to qualify for a trip to Vegas for Billy Joel and Sting is coming up in mere moments on Willard and Dibs. The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Taylor and Smith, we watched them uh, on film. Taylor's, I think, leads the NFL. Tough penalties. Everything stand out when you watch them. They hold a lot. So the funny thing is, I actually am, I agree with it. He's actually right. I mean, the guys do hold. Juwan is the most penalized guy in the NFL this year, and I believe he leads the NFL in holding. Uh, Donovan, I think, has led the NFL in holding since he started playing in 2015, it was. Now, back to Willard and Dibbs on 95.7 The Game. I like dudes like that. I like Mitchell Schwartz. Played for the Chiefs. He played with these guys. Nick Bose is like, they hold a lot. And he's like, yep. Sure do. Yeah. And why wouldn't you in a game where they're not going to call it as yeah. often as they do in, this, yeah. in the uh, regular year? Well, we know think, this. But they, 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 do, they do in all the games. Like, they led the, they led the league in, in holding. And, and, and if you don't know this, um, you know, he mentioned it a couple of times in his answers. The Chiefs are really good up the middle on the offensive line. They're not as good on the edges. So... Nick Bosa and Chase Young, you would think, would be able to get some things done. The problem is, as he said, is, okay, you've got to learn how to, how to rush the passer, but also contain everything else that's going on. And that's what makes the Chiefs so incredibly difficult because Mahomes moves well. Uh, they set up screens well. And so if you're just burning by your guy, well, then sometimes you get to the quarterback and turn around and everything goes right by you. And so I think the 49ers need to do their, their, their best imitation of what they did against the Philadelphia Eagles, where they created pressure, but they did a, just a first rate job of not losing containment. And Jalen Hurts, if you remember in that game, was, 
what was it, three carries, 21 yards. Like something just totally chill that did not kill the game. And um, it ended up being a blueprint. It ended up being a blueprint. We said it then. The Niners broke the Eagles. Guess what? It was true. It was confirmed yesterday by somebody on the Eagles offensive line. Right. Uh, Lane Johnson was on the Dan Patrick show. Listen to this. Really after the 49ers game. Ready? Here we go. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as film piles up, and I feel like really after the 49ers game where, you know, it's kind of them dismantling us, I felt like teams kind of piggybacked off that. So I don't know if it was something we were doing with our scheme-wise. Maybe the teams were on to what we were running. Um, but it was a lot more difficult than what it needed to be um, because you've seen what the offense has been, and then you see that stretch, and it's, you know, what's going on. He's admitting that the Niners broke him, and it, it also sounds, isn't there, there's a little dig at Sirianni in there. Yeah. A lot more difficult than it needed to be. Huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, teams uh, turned out might have been on to us, and Sirianni didn't make the adjustments that he needed to make in terms of, you know, going forward and figuring out how to evolve because after the Niners beat them, they won one more game the rest of the year yeah. in the regular season and in the playoffs. One game. Yeah. And wasn't it against the Giants, I think? I think so. Yeah. Crazy. Um, wanted everybody to hear this, too. I thought this was really interesting. Teron Armstead uh, plays for the Miami Dolphins. And therefore, he was in the game against Brock Purdy and the 49ers. The first time Purdy ever took the field. Jimmy goes down and the foot is broken. And the Niners are trailing 7-3. to three. Brock Purdy comes in. Niners end up having a runaway victory. And all of the Brock Purdy story unfolds from there with all of the winning last year. And now he heads to the Super Bowl. So the discussion around Purdy was put on the uh, Chat Sports with Chase Sr. show to Teron Armstead. And this is what he said about Purdy. Brock Purdy is the real thing. And it's not a, those narratives are, they don't, they don't come from many credible avenues and outlets. He's the real thing. There's no question about it. It's, it's crazy. His first game was against us. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Garoppolo goes down, first quarter, I believe, and, and Purdy was, he was so unfazed by pressure. He was, he was creating with his feet. He was making plays. He was, he was impressive. First game. Yeah. Never heard of the kid. Now we all know who he is, and he's the real thing. And he's he's a he's a special talent. He's uh, he's fearless. He's fearless. I, I think that's probably what I like about him the most. There it is, from somebody who's on the defense, like on a field, trying to play against him. There it is. Yeah, to see him come in in that spot and see him come in and play that well and to play fearlessly when you're the QB three and then you become QB two and oh my god. I'm playing for the Niners yep. in an NFL game against a very good Miami team to come in and hit the ground running like that and then start the next week against Tom Brady and take him apart and then go on to do what he's done. He is fearless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you heard Mitchell Schwartz. is a little bit less direct, but you heard him reference it a couple of times in terms of this offense versus that offense four years ago and the fact that this one 
I think, as he put it, has a quarterback who can distribute the ball to the playmakers a little bit better when it's needed. There's no two ways about it. Um, Which is why, by the way, uh, when when a certain person wants to say he's not a game changer, uh, somebody's got to explain that to me because he has changed the game. Right. He has changed the 49ers game, and and, and I don't even see how you can question that. Yeah, you've taken an offense that, even if you want to look at, you know, the McCaffrey effect, fine. But go back to Jimmy G when he was in the Super Bowl and what Raheem Mostert did that year. And it was very McCaffrey-esque, at least on the ground. Raheem Mostert at that time was every bit the runner that McCaffrey's been this year. In terms of late season, what he did against Green Bay in the playoffs, how good he was in the Super Bowl and all the rest of it. So... The big difference is the quarterback. The The coach is the same. The laminated play sheet's the same. The receivers are mostly the same. You have Ayuk now. You didn't then. You have George Kittle and all the rest of it. Your offensive line is better. But across the board, Brock Purdy's made this offense more dynamic. They score more points. And I think that they're going to send more of a scare into a Kansas City defense. That's definitely better than it was four years ago. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Let's go to Vince in the city. We'd love to hear from you today, Niner fans. How you feeling? Okay. How you feeling? And I'm going to tell you in just a minute after you talk to Vince how you can get qualified for a trip to Vegas yourself to see Billy Joel and Sting later this year. Hey, Vince, what's going on? Welcome to Willard and Dibs. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I just wanted to say I think this game is going to be one of the most evenly matched games that we're going to watch for a long time in football, um, as it should be. That being said, I think it's going to come down to really two things that aren't necessarily football related, the football gameplay related. Um, and to me, that's going to be who plays a cleaner game, beating less penalties. Yep. And then it's the mental aspect of football, which is who's, who's going to break whose will first. These guys are going to be like Rams going at it the whole game, just head to head. Just they're good. They both play a similar style, I think, especially in the run game. You know, we run the power zone and the power inside run. They run it really well, too. So, I, you know, I think it's going to come down to the penalties and will. Now, I also want to just point out real quick, I hope that it's not one of those games where Mahomes gets certain calls because he's Mahomes and Brock doesn't get called because he's Brock. Because in the last two playoff games, there's been a lot of quick, a lot of hits on Brock after he's let the ball go where he's been driven to the ground and they're not calling roughing the passer. I don't know if that's playoff football, but I feel like if that was Mahomes, he'd get the he'd get the fifteen yards. So, no, that that's an interesting one, and 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 so this can go two ways. Vince, thanks. I, every fan always thinks that, right? We we've done this with Steph Curry for years. Our star doesn't get calls. Every other star oh, gets don't calls. Don't get me started on Steph Curry. Well, like there, there's, I, I don't want to say there's nothing to it. I do want to say that there's probably not as much to it as RIC because that is human bias. Obviously, um, everybody watches games and thinks that you're you're not getting calls. I can think of a number of scenarios where some interesting things happened to Brock Purdy on a football field where there was no call, which is interesting because. In the NFL today, the refs slant that way purposefully. Like, it's much more likely to go the other way. In other words, a penalty is called when it shouldn't have been, as opposed to not being called when it should have been, because they protect the quarterbacks at such a level. Is there something to that with Purdy versus Mahomes? Maybe. And Mahomes is very vocal with the refs. 
Uh, Bill Romanowski called him a crybaby on our station earlier this week. Um, I'd also say this, though. It's the Super Bowl. So I'm not worried about it. Because I think that when you get to the Super Bowl, those refs damn well know the last thing on earth they want is to broadcast to 120 million people a quarterback getting hit low or high and a penalty flag not flying. Right, right. And I, I think if you look back to last Super Bowl, and that was last year, Philadelphia, Kansas City, there were nine total accepted penalties, six against Philadelphia, three against Kansas City. And I think if you looked historically at the Super Bowl, you're going to find fewer flags than you normally would get in an average game. Looking back at last week against the Lions and, and the Niners, I thought there was a couple of calls, one either way, that could have been and should have been thrown, including the one on Brock Purdy where the helmet in the fourth quarter, he got absolutely lit up. When he was uh, mostly on the ground, helmet to helmet, and he got up off the ground with a bloody lip, that was a big miss that I thought that crew had last week. Yep, I uh, I agree with you. Uh, it's Football Friday brought to you by Flag and Anthem. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.